millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello and welcome to the World Soccer Talk podcast, your weekly dose of talking about watching soccer on TV, online and on apps. Coming up on episode 12 of the World Soccer Talk podcast, we discuss which four of the 12 potential MLS cities are the most attractive from a TV rights perspective, as well as diving into which leagues got the highest TV ratings the past week, and news about women's soccer coming to the A&E network, and Lifetime. More to come on that. Kartik, how are you? I'm doing quite well, Chris. How are you? Good, good. Not, not too bad, other than... Uh, a cold, but uh, I'm working through it. And then, um, and for those who don't know who are listening for the first time, my name is Christopher Harris, uh, aka the Gaffer from WorldSoccerTalk.com. So, Kartik, let's dive into the first segment. Uh, I won't go through everything just because this past week there's been so much soccer on um, in terms of what we've been watching. But uh, I just wanted to kind of go through on, on some of the highlights. And I, I think for you, Kartik, too, I think it was. Was it political this past week, so you didn't get a chance to yeah, watch as much? I didn't, I didn't watch very much. No. Okay. All right. Well, don't worry, because I, I made up for it on my side. Um, so interestingly, for me at least, um, I did something different this past weekend that I haven't done before. Well, at least not in a while. And that's watching uh, Fox Sports Go, which is the streaming app um, from Fox Sports. It's the free one if you authenticate through your cable or satellite system. And what I did was a split screen because there were so many matches on this past weekend, especially on Fox, where um, I wanted to keep an eye on both games. So I did a lot of split screen between watching Bundesliga and FA Cup because um, most of the matches were on at the same time, um, as well as sometimes there were two FA Cup games on, on at the same time. And with uh, for those who don't know, the multi-screen uh, kind of option on Fox Sports Go, it's something within the last six to nine months that's relatively new. But what it allows you to do is something very similar to ESPN3's uh, Mosaic, where you can kind of basically choose either watch one match kind of on your app or your your tablet, computer, whatever whatever device you're using. Or you can split it where you have two games on at the same time. Or I think you can do it actually as four. Or you can do a picture in in picture, and you can kind of swap those things out. So so the the weekend started for me, uh, Kartik, on Friday. I actually started off by watching... um, the Schalke against Frankfurt game. And uh, we'll get more into the TV numbers a little bit later. But this one was interesting for me. The match, not so much, but, but the, the interesting uh, because of Ian Joy. And we've talked about Kate Abdo joining Fox Sports uh, this past couple of weeks and her role um, at Fox Sports. And Ian Joy, we thought, would be kind of a backup uh, presenter. 
But in this role for his first time, uh, at least un under the new setup, he was an analyst. So he was on the set there with Eric Ronaldo, Ian Joy, and uh, Kate Abdo. Um, actually, actually, no, that was, that was a week before. This past Friday, my apologies, this past Friday, he was doing co-commentary. So he, he was doing commentary, uh, which we, anyone who's watched BN Sports for the past couple of years uh, remembers Ian Joy from doing a lot of the, the championship playoff games, etc. So it was Keith Costigan that was the, the uh, announcer, the main announcer, and then Ian Joy being uh, co-commentary. So I guess what it's ended up happening is, is that um, he's just being kind of put into different situations and being used for different things. He is multi-versatile. Um, he's a strong presence at Fox Sports and definitely, to me at least, raises the bar. But it was just interesting in terms of uh, how Fox Sports has been utilizing him with Kate Abdo kind of taking his place uh, presenting the Bundesliga coverage. And then, Kartik, um, the FA Cup, I mean, there's been so much discussed this past weekend on talk radio and, and on television about the FA Cup and, I mean, is it... I mean, especially from uh, a lot of the, the, the major teams in the Premier League fielding weaker squads. But personally, I actually enjoyed the FA Cup this past weekend the most in quite, quite some time. The Derby-Leicester game on Friday was really entertaining, kind of back and forth, open-ended game. Derby could have won it. Leicester could have won it. Just a um, really exciting match. And it had a great atmosphere to kind of a East Midlands uh, Derby. And uh, also it was wet conditions too, it was really wet, uh, and that kind of made it for uh, probably a more exciting FA Cup ga game than, uh, than, than we're used to. Uh, that rolled into the weekend, to sat sat Saturday, the Liverpool-Wolves game, I was surprised by how good Wolves were, um, I haven't had a chance to watch them much in, on, um, in the championship on being sports, but... Uh, I think they, like, they were fifth or sixth from bottom, or maybe seventh from bottom as of last weekend. But uh, they played surprisingly well against a Liverpool team, not their full squad, but still a very entertaining match. And uh, it, was, it was really competitive. It wasn't a one-sided match. Um, and, that, and that's kind of probably one of the reasons I've actually enjoyed watching the FA Cup this past weekend more than usual, is that on a lot of FA Cup matches, it's so... I mean, you know who's going to win the match, and it's just it, it, there's there's very little uh, competition. And in these two examples here, there was really competitive, and I really enjoyed it because you, you didn't at the end of the uh, the game you, you didn't know who was going to win it. Um, the other interesting thing too about the Fox Sports coverage of the FA Cup is that they're doing what they did for Major League Soccer, and that is they're actually on for Major League Soccer they were doing a lot of. Uh, half-time kind of analysis rather than talking during the Champions League or Europa League, rather than talking about those um, competitions, they would trump up and talk about MLS and trump up um, MLS's coverage. They were doing the same thing in the FA Cup weekend is that uh, kind of half-time or post-match, rather than, than uh, digging deeper into the FA Cup, they actually talked quite a bit about the Bundesliga and did uh, match previews for the upcoming matches that day and, and over the weekend. And so they're definitely pushing the, the Bundesliga hard. Uh, I have, still have the same complaint, which is that um, it's fine doing it on the Fox Sports broadcast, where they're trying to kind of uh, take people that are watching coverage anyway and then kind of just have them um, watch the Bundesliga more. But the, the biggest complaint is they're not doing that outside of the, the Fox Sports uh, world on, on other sites or in interviews or other mediums where... Um, people aren't watching Fox Sports, but there you go. Um, Kartik, so 
What about the Bundesliga? Did you get a chance to watch um, any of the matches this past weekend? Yeah, I, I have to admit I haven't been terribly motivated to watch the FA Cup. I haven't really kept up with it. And it's a departure from me in the past because, quite frankly, I've gone on record repeatedly saying I'd rather my team win the FA Cup than qualify for the Champions League. I mean, that's how I feel about it. I'm not really enthused by European uh, competition either. I don't watch a whole lot of Champions League, particularly at the group stage. So I guess league football is doing it for me now uh, more than anything else. Domestic league football. What about, um, what, yeah. what about the Bundesliga, though? Did you get a chance to watch any of the games this past weekend? Uh, yeah, I watched the Bremen Bayern game, which I thought was the best game of the season that I've seen, in, in, or one of the best games of the season I've seen anywhere in Europe. Um, Riverine Robin back at their best, really connecting well. Um, and it's it's so different if you're a defender defending Aryan Robin than Kingsley Coman. No, no no offense towards Coman, but he's a he's a bit of a one trick pony. Whereas Robin has an array of moves, and, and uh, you know if 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 you're if he gets to gets the ball onto his left foot somehow and is able to come inside, you're dead. <laughs> That's yeah. basically, and Bremen learned that again, uh, like so many teams have learned that for, for many, many years. But then I thought uh, Max Crusoe being back for um, uh, Bremen was, was massive. And um, they're fighting relegation as they have been the last couple of years. Uh, but based on what I saw in this match, they certainly have an, an, an opportunity to, uh, to escape the drop. I mean, I think uh, when, when you look at um, uh, Werder Bremen, they've always had enough of a, of a home support and an intensity ar- around their, uh, the, the, the quality of their, uh, their team to, um, uh, particularly at the business end of the season, because they've been in this position now the last three seasons. I want to say maybe it's been four years in a row, but certainly the last three seasons, and they've gotten out the previous two times. Uh, Krusa, of course, came from uh, Mucha Gladbach. Well, he was at Wolfsburg for a year in between, but was a big part of Mucha Gladbach getting into the Champions League a few seasons ago, uh, getting into that elite top four in Germany, and then uh, uh, played a little bit disappointingly with, with Wolfsburg last season, but uh, he had a really good game coming back from injury. And I, and I thought um, you're seeing what might happen to Bayern away from home. We saw it against Freiburg the previous week on that Friday game that they don't have the firepower right now this season to put teams away, away from home as we uh, we've seen repeatedly. And I watched um, a, a, Number of the highlights of the um, it Leipzig. It can't, it can't. Yes. I, I, actually, on the Bremen game too, I just want to add too, because I watched this one also. So this is one where I had the split screen too, because I had Chelsea Brentford on, on one screen, um, which was a complete walkover. You mean, you mean, yes, it's a West London derby. Yes, you hope it's going to have a lot of the drama in the FA Cup, but it wasn't there. It was just kind of one-sided. So half of my eye was watching that one, uh, but the rest of it was watching the Bremen-Bayern uh, game, which I enjoyed. And actually, Max Kruse, like you said, um, had a couple of volleys right over the crossbar that could have gone in. If they'd gone in, it'd be in a totally different game, but it was entertaining to watch. The one thing I'd like to add about that is that um, I really enjoyed Eric Ronaldo's uh, commentary, uh, co-commentary on this one. And he's the type of person that I think at Fox, they've tried to figure out where he best fits. And to me, he's got such a good reading of the game. Um, As a former professional footballer, he's able to express kind of things that, say, a Warren Barton can't um, in terms of kind of uh, keeping an eye out for certain things or when a player comes onto the pitch keep an eye out for this guy because I've watched him and he's, you know, he's going to do this or that. Um, and for the most part, similar to Taylor Twelman, 
Uh, it's a lot of kind of foretelling. I think uh, they've got a keen eye for analysis. And Wijnaldum, for me, is the type of guy that makes me want to watch the Bundesliga more. Um, and this particular weekend, I did watch more Bundesliga than I normally do. Um, but again, too, it's kind of, again, it's the, bun the Bundesliga's problem is, is that all the games seem to be on at the same time that the English games are on. So um, my... My royalty, uh, my, it's split in terms of kind of which ones I watch. But I did enjoy the game, and I, I thought it was really good. Um, and the other thing, too, about the FA Cup on the Chelsea-Brentford game, you had the FA Cup ticker in the top right corner, so you could see kind of the scores coming in. So if there was anything interesting to watch, uh, you could always kind of uh, keep an eye out for that. So I was able to kind of keep an eye on FA Cup results, Chelsea-Brentford, and uh, uh, Werder Bremen against uh, Bayern Munich. And I enjoyed it. And it was, the, it was really kind of the Winalda co-commentary that uh, that won me over the Bremen Bayern game was going on at the same time as uh, as uh, Hoffenheim and uh, in Leipzig second and third in the league entering this this match day and um, that was a spectacular game based on all the highlights and I've gone out of my way to find uh, as many highlights as I could of that the YouTube uh, Fox soccer feed um, ESPN FC etc and as well as the in-game coverage that was going on during that Bremen Bayern game and and uh, Leipzig is not uh, – there was a lot of thought that after they, they uh, had the uh, mis uh, unfortunate performance at the uh, Allianz Arena where Forsberg got sent off in the first 20 minutes uh, in the last game before the winter break, that they would be in this position where they would just fall off and Borussia Dortmund would emerge. They'd finish second. That's not happening. In fact, what we've seen is coming out of the uh, break, if, if you're going to have to say uh, who, who's looked stronger, I think Leipzig's looked stronger than Bayern. Um, in these first two match days after the winter break. So the gap is still three points. Uh, Leipzig doesn't look like they're going to fall off at all at this point. Um, I think they probably will somewhere down the road, but the, it, it's not going to be the dramatic collapse many had envisioned. And look, Bayern are not very convincing right now. Now, again, we're holding Bayern to a higher standard because we're so used to them beating teams 3-0, 4-0, 5-0. Uh, the, the final season under Heinkins and then also um, the year, uh, the, the three years under Pep Guardiola and even uh, really under Von Hall until the, the final season when uh, they were getting beaten by Klopp's uh, Dortmund. But they were still dealing with everyone else in the Bundesliga, uh, usually by uh, flattering, by very uh, decisive scorelines. So um, there's a little bit of practice in, in Ancelotti's uh, uh, setup, but um, they're, they, they don't seem very convincing. And I, I think they will win the league, but... Uh, Leipzig's still pushing them. The other thing I liked too was actually Costigan and um, Ronaldo did a great job of during the Bremen against Bayern game is letting the, the, the viewers know what, what was happening right, yeah, yeah. In, in the that other games, close. in the Leipzig-Hoffenheim game. So, so to me, it's, um, they're doing a great job. Uh, and that's the thing too in terms of, we'll get more into this a little bit later in terms of the TV ratings. The TV ratings are pretty terrible, unfortunately. Uh, for a whole host of different reasons. But they're doing the best that they can with what they've got. And actually, if somebody is wanting to get into the Bundesliga, I think they do a good job of kind of not just focusing on that one match, but talking about the other games that have significance too. Um, and yeah, that, that was a yeah, great and example. Yeah, and I have to say, they've got, they've got a couple things going for them. One, they did that, covering the games really in-game well because they had their own... Um, uh, announcers providing voiceovers and Costigan went all this time. So I did not watch the FA Cup. I was watching that game intently uh, because I also wanted the updates from Leipzig um, Hoffenheim. And you just mentioned they were essentially covering the whole league at once. So all the 9.30 a.m. 
Eastern time kickoffs. Uh, secondly, I think the 10 a.m. kickoffs this year in the Premier League, it just seems like um, the Premier League is so, so um, obsessive about scheduling the bigger sides and the games that might be competitive and interesting in time slots where they can isolate the games and have them on global television that th- what's left at the 3 p.m. British Standard Time 10 a.m. Eastern Time kickoffs are a bunch of leftover games, which is making the Bundesliga and Fox a little more appealing to me in that time slot, believe it or not. It, it does, but, but at the same time, I think NBC does such a great job of the coverage that once that 7.30 to 9.30 Eastern Time Saturday morning game ends, is that that 9.30 to, to 10 o'clock gap, you're, you're kind of pulled in, whether it's Neil Ashton or Rebecca Lowe yeah. or Steve Bauer. So to me, it's, it gives me reason to keep on watching it till the 10 o'clock game kicks off. And then for me, at least personally, Swansea's usually in that 10 o'clock uh, time slot, so not, not the most favorable one. But you know, I'm not going to miss that type of match. But I think this, probably it's the same for a lot of our listeners, too, is that no matter what team they support, you know, I mean, they're going to be featured sometimes in that 10 o'clock game, or maybe they'll, they'll watch Goal Rush just for kind of a highlights package. And just the timing, the Bundesliga games on a Saturday morning at 9.30, uh, yes, that invitation's there, but um, it's not, I don't know, slowly but surely, hopefully more people will get into the Bundesliga. But I don't think it's a slam dunk yet, though. Even, even with the, the stacked Premier League uh, scheduling that they, they've done it, like you've said, Kartik. Yeah, so that was uh, the good. Now, let me tell you the bad. The bad was that um, right after that game, I was pretty fired up to watch Leverkusen Gladbach after those two games, because also the Leipzig-Hoffenheim game. Again, I'm not paying attention to FA Cup. Uh, I, I went to find Leverkusen Gladbach, and it was on Fox Soccer Plus, which I don't get, which... I think I would venture to say 95% of our people don't get. And um, that's the thing, though, Kartik. Actually, I think that one was, was on Fox Sports, too. No, it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't? Oh. Um, no. So they were showing auto racing. Um, so I was unable to watch the game and ended up turning on Southampton Arsenal. The game was already 3 0 or something. So I turned it off and was done with football for the day. So that's. Uh, that was a disappointment. I had assumed that game would be on Fox. I thought it was on Fox Sports 1, then I saw it was the FA Cup. I said, okay, so it's on Fox Sports 2. There was auto racing on, and then I found it on the program guide on Fox Soccer Plus. So um, that was disappointing because I wanted to see if Gladbach could get things going. They are in a real rut right now. Leverkusen has begun to play a little bit better recently, um, and, I, and I saw Leverkusen here in the state of Florida last month. Uh, I was unable to watch that game, though. The uh, the Southampton game against Arsenal, what, what a what a joke that was. I mean, to me at least, as a as a neutral, I mean, it was completely a, a B team from Southampton. Well, they had uh, just played uh, at Anfield two days earlier, exactly. in the uh, in the EFL Cup. So I, I think this is the um, this is the big talking point now in England is that the two leg to two legged tie of the League Cup semifinals is making teams. Uh, who are still alive in that cup competition, take the FA Cup less seriously. We saw that with Liverpool as well. They were in that same game on Wednesday with Southampton. The problem is, I think the two legs of the, uh, of the League Cup semifinals make that cup very unique and very, to me, useful. I like the two legs. Yep. Now, the timing of the two legs is a, is a little bit poor because it comes right after this Christmas period, this Boxing Day period, with all the... Um, uh, run of fixtures, and then right as the FA Cup is starting in, in round three and round four for teams in in the Premier League and Championship, so that is a bit of a problem. But I like the two legs. But um, 
look, Southampton has a has a deep academy. We know that every every player uh, at that club is in the shop window. So why not take the opportunity? It didn't work out, but right. um, I, I I totally understand it. Yeah, yeah, me too, me too. It was a throwaway game, and um, Arsenal looked good, but it was against a very very weak Southampton team. But uh, to me, but this was, is the thing about Arsenal. They they look to me. They look better than any team in the Premier League by a, a pretty wide margin when they're playing well. Mm-hmm. They look better, much better than Chelsea, much better than uh, Man United, Liverpool, Man City, Spurs. Uh, Spurs at times look very good. But Arsenal, when they're rampant, they look like they can beat anyone in Europe other than maybe um, Barcelona and Real Madrid. Uh, but then they just have these stinkers, and I know we'll get to that uh, as we get into midweek. <laughs> Yeah, so th- th- let's move to midweek then. So th- that was our weekend, uh, kind of uh, tons of FA Cup and, and Bundesliga for me. Uh, I didn't get a chance to watch much of the, actually any of the Africa Cup of Nations. I wanted to, but just the, the, it just clashed with other games that were going on. Um, but I'm looking forward to seeing the final this weekend. Um, so midweek for me, I watched the Liverpool against Chelsea game, of course, and um, also the Man United against Hull match. From a TV coverage perspective, um, the one thing that jumps out at me from these two matches, and it's something I haven't heard much of, and I haven't heard anyone talk about it, but it, to me is the product placement uh, by NBC Sports. And uh, this was kind of low. They, they basically pulled out their Microsoft Surface tablets. And this is yes. Kyle, Kyle and, and Robbie like Musto. Kyle and Robbie were uncomfortable with that. And then they also had a Volkswagen feature on the pitch or from the pitch with other scores, which I had never seen before. Hmm. I can't remember if that was Tuesday or Wednesday. I missed that um, yeah. No, no, it was, it was the same thing they normally do, but they were branding it. Um, I think it was two. It might have been both days. So there were those two very noticeable things that uh, took place this week, uh, which is a positive sign that they're selling ads and that um, – They've been able to make the uh, to monetize the Premier League effectively, which is good for soccer fans across the country. But the uh, product placement was, uh, um, was 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 odd, and I have to I have to admit I'm not a Microsoft fan, so I was about <laughs> to tweet something very snarky about Martino and and Musto and their lack of comfort and uh, Kyle. And, I'm thinking Kyle in his head is thinking, you know what? I wish this was a Mac <laughs> type of thing, but I just decided uh, no, I'll, I'll I'll let it be. But, uh, but- it was. They looked uncomfortable. Yeah, they did. They did. And, and they were pretending to hold these tablets and to draw on the screen with kind of um, a kind of pen and to show. But to me, yeah, it looked, and that's it looked Microsoft's really fake. thing again, because they're trying to show what Microsoft is. Right. Is that on the high end, they're having a problem competing with uh, with Apple. And on the low end, they're having a trouble competing with the Google Chromebook. So they're trying to show the versatility of their devices. Right. I get that. And they're forcing that into some sort of segment about tactics and football. Yeah. I understand from the sponsor's oh, yeah. perspective why it was done, but from our perspective as football viewers, um, I'm not sure. I don't think it was particularly useful. Yeah, so from, from, the, from Microsoft's perspective, it's probably a win-win because we're talking about it. But, and they were kind of focusing on the touchscreen abilities with the Surface. Um, but to me, it was so fake because, I mean, the, the, what we saw on the screen was what we usually see. There's nothing different where you could, could see them kind of drawing circles around players or anything like that. It was just a typical, looked like pre-recorded uh, analysis stuff. And to me, if this was Fox Sports that had done this, they would have been so ridiculed on Twitter and places kind of making fun of them. And to me, NBC Sports, yes, they're making some good money, I'm sure, on these types of um, ads and things. But they don't have to do that, though. It's kind of, to me, it's kind of stooping a little bit too low in terms of their coverage. Um, they could still keep it kind of at a, at a level that's 
intellectual intelligence and and thought provoking rather than stooping down to a level which they look like kind of I don't know cheap salespeople basically so th- so that rubbed off for me in the wrong way uh, possible um, in the worst way possible I, I just really did not like that at all um, so Kartik I'm trying to think in terms of uh, midweek games too um, that was probably yeah, about it yeah. for me but what about you yeah, no, I mean, I, I try to um, keep an eye on everything. Liverpool-Chelsea was an entertaining game, uh, but I, I tried to keep an eye on Sunderland Spurs and Arsenal-Watford in particular at the same time. Uh, Burnley-Leicester, which was a controversial game. But, but look, uh, Jamie Vardy has a reputation for diving, so even when he gets fouled uh, legitimately in the area, which I think he might have been in this, eh, he may have been, uh, he may also have been looking for the contact from Heaton. Uh, it happened twice. Uh, he's not going to get calls anymore. So that's that's something to know as Leicester fights relegation. Uh, they're not getting the calls they were getting last season. Uh, and then um, the Swansea game was also uh, interesting for me. And, uh, look, I, I think uh, it, it just it, it makes no sense to me. You know, you're thinking at the beginning of the day, Arsenal is um, – is I believe they entered the day eight points back, okay, of Chelsea. Chelsea could lose at Anfield. Uh, and, um, and then Arsenal, they got Watford at home. Watford's struggling. Watford's one of those teams that we've now become concerned about being in a relegation fight. They just sold Igalo for a, a big sum to China. I'm not sure you want to do that when you're fighting relegation, but they're never going to get offered that kind of money. I mean, it's a Chinese, Chinese thing. The Chinese bubble might burst by the next transfer window. Who knows? So uh, you take that money and go. Um, so that this is transfer deadline day, and they're in that position, and you're, um, and then you're in the um, position where um, Arsenal setting up the big game on Sunday, the game everybody is thinking about and talking about, could cut the gap to five points, and potentially they could repeat the feat and beat Chelsea again. Although they have a poor record against Chelsea the last few years, but they won that first meeting earlier this season at the Emirates. They could cut it to two. Well, guess what happens, Chelsea. Is unfortunate not to beat Liverpool. Costa has a penalty save. Luis has that brilliant free kick. Um, and Arsenal lay a stinker and lose at home to Watford, a relegation-threatened team. And it's a nine-point gap, and game's at Stamford Bridge, and now we're thinking the title race might be over. <laughs> so it was a big day. Yeah. And, uh, and so having NBC, uh, uh, having Premier League extra time, and having goal zone, uh, which they did have on um, Tuesday, but they did not have on Wednesday, um, because there were only three games on Wednesday, and then the game on the main channel, the Liverpool-Chelsea game, made it an extraordinary of, of channel surfing in the second half. And um, uh, Arsenal fans aren't going to want to hear it or talk about it, but it was uh, it was useful, again, to see the demise of Arsenal the, in, in real time while Chelsea is playing at the same time. And um, the gap is nine points now. Yeah, and we'll have to wait and see until uh, Saturday morning. I, I think it's the early kickoff, uh, the Arsenal-Chelsea game on NBCSN. And then, and then we'll see exactly who this Arsenal side is because it is inconsistent. Um, you were talking just a few minutes ago about it kind of being one of one of the most attractive teams playing when when they're firing on all cylinders, and then and then we come back to kind of the Watford game where they just kind of uh, self combust. Um, so we'll see, we'll see. It's it's, it's a big match. Uh, it's at Stamford Bridge, and uh, it should be an entertaining one at least. And, and I think after that game, we'll probably know where Arsenal stands in terms of this. Uh, uh, Champions League title, right? Title race. And, and I think it becomes problematic for NBC as they try and promote the league in the final three months of the season, mm-hmm. three plus months of the season. How do they handle it if Chelsea happens to win that match? And it's um, right. running from away TV with pers- 
Yeah, it's it's becoming we're getting to that point because uh, what we were saying last month was or two months ago now, Chelsea was on a record uh, uh, push as far as points were concerned. And there were a lot of good teams in the league behind them. So what was going to happen was Chelsea's pace was going to they were going to come off that pace a bit. And one of the chasing pack would probably get hot, whether it was Liverpool or Man City or or Spurs or whoever Arsenal uh, would. would, And then it would be a title race between those two teams. What is instead happened is there was obviously the loss to Spurs at White Hart Lane. But other than that, Chelsea's continued to win games. They know. And then now they've drawn this game, which looked like a banana peel and everybody else is dropping points. So, um, in fact, the opposite of what we had thought or maybe we had hoped would happen would happen. And um, this is bizarre, Chris, because this is not on paper one of the better teams in the history of, of this division. But uh, Antonio Conte has an amazing record in league in, in Italy and he's doing it in England. This team could historically go down, at least in terms of results, as the best Premier League team ever. And um, yeah. It's hard to make a case against them now, especially when they started so poorly, right? They've just, since the end of September, they've dropped uh, five points in the league. And in, in, uh, I think, that I believe, in 17, 18 matches. Uh, they, so that's, uh, they have taken 49 of their last possible 54 points. I don't remember a team in the history of this league being that hot mm-hmm. for that long a period of time. That's almost half a season. 19 games is uh, half a season. So 18 games, they've taken 49 points. Uh, it's almost three points a game. Right. I mean, it's almost perfection. Yeah, and I think it's it's Tottenham Hotspur that's probably the only team really that that uh, has a fighting chance of really narrowing that gap. Um, and, and really disappointing to get a nil-nil tie at Sunderland. I mean, it's a great point for Sunderland. But um, I think Spurs is kind of uh, at least the neutral. Uh, I'm a neutral in this perspective. Uh, kind of last hope to see if they can narrow, yeah, make us a real title, yeah. title race. So after those games, we had deadline day and um, well, we're during those games. But then, of course, after we had the deadline day special and we're thinking, OK, are Spurs going to make a move? Uh, are they going to stand pat with this team? We understand the stadium situation. We're hearing some of the same stuff we heard out of Arsenal 10 years ago, right? They, well, they really can't spend. They're rebuilding White Hart Lane. They got to be financially healthy when they move into uh, the, the new facility in two years. So they're standing pat and they're promoting youth players like Harry Winks. Um, into the first team, and he's done quite well. And, and uh, Tom Carroll, who's now at Swansea, did quite well. Uh, but <laughs> they didn't make any moves. So deadline day, the special that came on after, and I watched Twitter. Uh, Twitter had Sky Sports, which was great that they did that. And this is the first time that it was r- rather useless. Nothing happened of significance among the top six teams. Nobody. No, nobody of significance was added by any of the uh, top six teams in this window. Really. I guess technically by Man City, but he was actually signed in the summer and um, um, signed with the intent of coming in the winter, right? So uh, that was not news to anyone that he he was with Manchester City. So what we got was a lot of discussion of the bottom of the table. I think Palace and Burnley had very good days on Tuesday. Uh, Burnley getting um, getting uh, Robbie Brady is just a signing I, yeah, I absolutely love. I think huge signing. Uh, Crystal Palace made a, a couple classic Allardyce moves and I think uh look I know there's been the problem with Sacco going back to the tour here of the U.S. or the drugs test last year which had him suspended in the Europa League final which they lost uh, to Sevilla but um I'm not sure if (laughs) given Liverpool's back line I'm not sure it was a good idea to loan him out and um Klopp has made his decision this will help Palace this that might be the that might be the exact type of player Allardyce needs because Allardyce gets the most out of those types 
And um, I think he's probably very happy to have him. Uh, I think um, Swansea, great window getting Olsen and Tom Carroll, both of whom have helped the team already. But they did that early in the window, right? They didn't do that on deadline day, so there's no suspense on deadline day. And then um, we didn't really have anything of significance from anyone else. Yeah. And it was... Um, it was disappointing, and, and um, it was a uh, it, yeah. it was a downer. But but I wasn't surprised. I, I wasn't expecting anything major. Um, I, I think times have changed, Kartik. You know, it's like like from a couple of years ago where it was just it was just craziness. Maybe this summer, yeah, we'll, we'll, Suarez we'll see some. and Carroll and uh, and right. Torres, and then Spurs that day were making bids on everybody on uh, Aguero and Llorente and all these players who eventually made it their way to the Premier League. And I remember Man City made a late bid for uh, Sebastian Larson because uh, Roberto Mancini decided he wanted him at the last minute and it didn't get in in time. And mm-hmm. there was all kinds of craziness in that. Jam- oh, it gave David Luiz for Matic that swap January 31st or so much just. Five, four or five years ago, so much um, going on, like the summer window. And then today, or this week, it was uh, it was a dud. The entire window, really, was a dud, with yep. the exception of uh, those three teams I named, Palace, Burnley, and um, Swansea. And, uh, Swansea. And in Swansea and Palace's case, they have new managers. In Burnley's case, I think what happened is that they haven't spent money at all, even in their previous... Um, uh, promotions and this time it looks like they're going to stay up. So the chairman has given the board has given Sean Dyche a license to to bring in and secure one or two really good uh, buys that could uh, and I think Westwood's another good one that could keep them uh, in the division. And then of course getting Joey Barton back, which we knew would happen mm-hmm. when he got released by Rangers, has also helped them. And that's uh, that doesn't go down as a uh, a transfer because he had been released by Rangers. But that's a uh, another uh, uh, another important one. I think he's just he he fits Burnley well. He probably never should have gone north of the border. Right. So, Karthik, before we move on to the next segment to talk about TV and streaming news, anything else you want to point out or anything you want to mention? Anything else you watched? Yeah, that yeah. I thought, I thought um, it was interesting all week. Uh, Gab Marcotti has been in the ESPN FC studios. Um, Craig Burley likes to get combative with him. So <laughs> it's been very... Um, it's been very, very good television to watch. And, and um, Marcotti doesn't back... So right. um, and now is usually in London and he's on a lot and he and, and Burley argue, but he'll be on for a segment here and there. Um, he, he's been in the studio and, and they've been talking about, particularly with Chelsea's success, uh, the talk about uh, Kun Aguero potentially being sold by Pep Guardiola, which is something I have to say as a Manchester City fan that doesn't surprise me. I thought that might happen when Guardiola came in. Honestly, Aguero's just not his type of player. Uh, all of that is made for good television. And then... Uh, it's called football. I have on my DVR. I'm glad that that series is back. I know I criticized NBC for not giving us any um, any information about when the next episodes would air. Well, we've got we got them this uh, week. I think West Ham and was it Watford or Crystal Palace? South- Southampton. Southampton. Yeah. yeah. So I'm looking forward to watching those. I haven't been able to watch those yet, but um, uh, I'm excited that that show is back. Excellent. Okay, well, let's move on to TV streaming news. And Kartik, uh, a big announcement today by the NWSL and uh, the A&E Network. Uh, can, can you tell us um, what, what, you, what you know about this deal? Yeah, um, I've been keeping track of this deal, and it's, um, it's going to be uh, pretty good. For, I mean, it's going to be good for NWSL. They're going to get these games on national television. Um, and the A&E Networks are putting... Um, some money, some equity into the league, which props the league up. The league is um, is strengthening, and but the the way they've been strengthening the last few years is to attach 
uh, women's teams to men's teams. So uh, that started with Portland, Houston, Orlando, and now North Carolina this year will be attached to the Carolina Railhawks of the NASL. So there's, um, there, there, there is some improvements in NWSL, but um, there's some concern already about the time slots of these games, right? They're on Thursdays, mm-hmm. which was the same uh, time slots that the, the, the defunct PAX uh, uh, network, uh, uh, owned by Bud Paxson from our neck of the woods, Palm Beach, uh, had shown the WUSA in the early 2000s. Now, I have to say, soccer is astronomically more popular in this country uh, today than it was in 2003. And it is, we have Twitter, we have Reddit, we have all these things that drive the soccer fandom. I think this will do okay. It's just, it's difficult um, the start times of games for people who work during the weekdays. Uh, it also so, Carl, could so, put so, a, so, so just for, just for listeners to, to understand. So the start time is going to be uh, four p.m. on Easter, yeah, Easter yeah. on Thursdays. Right, right, with a pregame show on thir- uh, on Thursdays at three thirty. Right. So um, the hope is I've already talked to a couple people today, uh, just very casually. I get deeper into it um, in the next few days, and hopefully I have an article up at World Soccer talking about this. Talk to a couple people around women's soccer. Um, in the last three or four hours before we recorded this. And there's hope that uh, the, ticket, the, the ticket problem can be offset by uh, young girls coming out of um, school early on those days. Maybe the school lets out at 2.30 and they get to the stadium by 4. I'm not quite sure that that's a, a sound strategy. Um, I'm hoping the TV, TV drives fans uh, to the league by watching a game. Maybe the attendance is down for that Thursday 4 p.m. kickoff. But then um, they go the next week uh, to their venue because it's uh, it's difficult in a uh, in a sport or in a league, in particular the NWSL, that is so dependent on ticket revenue mm-hmm. more so than TV revenue or sponsorship. Ticket revenue to k- kick off games at 4 p.m. on Thursday. So uh, that's a concern. We'll keep an eye on that. I'm going to talk to a couple more people before I turn out that article, and I'm sure we'll be talking about it on the show next week. Yeah. So so. Those 25 games, so there's going to be 25 games that are going to be on in that time slot, that 4 o'clock Eastern time, and it's going to be on Lifetime, um, which is uh, one of the networks that's owned by the parent company, A&E Networks. And uh, Kartik, I, I don't know about you, but what, what, I, I guess in some ways, like with Lifetime, it's, it's a perfect, um, I mean, kids come home after school, and maybe their mom's been watching Lifetime, I don't know, but, but basically it's kind of a great way for kind of the kids coming home from school uh, or college and be able to switch on Lifetime channel and watch women's soccer. Um, I don't see this as kind of a play for the men. I see it this as kind of a play for the women's audience. Um, I don't see a lot of men gravitating to the Lifetime channel to watch kind of the programming there. It, it, is, a, it is an incredibly mainstream channel, though, to be on. Yeah. I, I have to say that. So... Uh, it is the kind of channel that, you know, I kind of wish maybe, uh, well, the Premier League has got the NBC connection now. But when the Premier League was on Fox, I would have taken a couple games on, the, on A&E and Lifetime and TLC and those kinds of channels just because I think, um, or Discovery Channel, those types of ch- uh, profile channels. I just think there are a whole lot more viewers than for um, sports channels that might give soccer a chance. Uh, the people who watch ESPN and Fox Sports 1, uh, half of them have some sort of uh, bias or prejudice against our sport. I, I, again, I hate to say that. Uh, American sports fans, you, those of you who like football, uh, soccer, football also can, can, can write to us about that. But I always think that there's just this condescension. So I, I like having it on Lifetime. And I, and I think, um, again, there might be kids who come home from school, young girls who watch it. 
now will they if they are in home market will they still be able to go to the games mm -hmm. uh, because um, there are 25 games in this package there are uh, I think that they'll probably showcase Orlando Portland North Carolina and Houston more because of their venues but um, let's say Evangel let me just take the, the two teams I'm most familiar with Orlando and North Carolina um, Let's say they have uh, three or four home games each that are starting at that time. I think it really could put a um, put a um, limitation on the attendance that they have. Um, yeah, yeah. I think, but I think, I, but but overall, it's an upside. I, I I'm yeah. not trying to poke holes in the deal. I, I'm I'm very happy about this deal, and I think it's a very good thing. But there is that potential downfall. Yeah, I think a lot of it too will depend on the ticket sales in terms of how closely these these uh, NWSL clubs work with the different schools, the different uh, soccer clubs, the dif different youth organizations, and try to find ways to kind of uh, make it as easy as possible to get uh, you mean men, women, children, you mean everyone to these games, but especially uh, young girls who you mean who fall in love with these players. They're great, great uh, role models. Uh, lifetime, it's it, it's in some ways it's a strange network to have it on, but but then again for the Premier League, who would have thought that we'd be having matches on CNBC every Saturday at 10 a.m. Um, I, I guess I guess we we'll have to wait and see how it does, but uh, at least they're putting money into the league and uh, hope, helping with the financial stability, which is huge, and then hopefully yeah. they can grow from there and, and get bigger and better. But okay, contact. Let's move on to the next segment. Uh, the, the next news item is MLS Live is back and. Um, so this is the streaming product from Major League Soccer. Uh, it's actually the company is owned by ESPN, um, and they put together the, the streaming uh, packages for uh, the games that have been shown. And um, the pricing for this year, for the two, 2017 season, is going to be $80 a year, uh, or you can sign up for $15 a month. Um, also, there's a, a single club package, so if you want to just subscribe to watching, say, Seattle Sounders games, uh, it's seventy dollars um, for the season, and that gives you access to all of the MLS games, uh, including all the Saturday uh, broadcasts. Uh, as long as there's no blackouts, I mean that's that's the only thing you can always get around it with VPNs. But that that is the MLS Live uh, streaming package, and um, according to to uh, Chris Schlosser, who's uh, head of digital at uh, MLS, there uh, they've upgraded the entire system uh, for MLS Live. There's, all, there's an all-new uh, website, uh, Roku and Apple TV apps, and also they've up, uh, updating the mobile, and um, they're also rebuilding the Chromecast, which will be coming soon too. So they've made a lot of changes. The pricing's about the same as last year. And, uh, yeah, I guess I guess the, the couple of years ago, it was the plan was to have uh, ESPN launch a streaming product that was kind of a, a paid-for-service but at this point, it looks like uh, MLS and ESPN has decided just to stick with MLS Live for streaming. So there you go. Yeah. Um, I think there was um, some disappointment about this uh, announcement, but it was getting so late in the game, I don't think anyone could have expected anything different. And we'll wait and see if uh, the rebuild app and uh, everything is good and, uh, and, and what happens next season. Uh, although I do have to say that monitoring social media people were kind of put out by it and also by the increase in price uh considering there are two new teams i guess that could be justified but um yeah uh, so anyway we also have the latest uh numbers of how, uh, how many households uh, all the cable networks are in but but uh, we're particularly concerned about networks that cover soccer and um 
once again, declines across the board, Chris, with the exception of uh, Fox Sports 2 that got picked up by a couple more um, uh, services and, and had a, a marginal increase of about 235,000 uh, household, uh, households get Fox Sports 2 than did in December. Uh, but BN lost uh, over half a million homes, uh, BN in English, the, the main BN, uh, ESPN, uh, similar loss in, in, in homes uh, as BN. Same thing with ESPN2. ESPNU, which shows uh, soccer from time to time, uh, 600,000, over 600,000 uh, homes uh, dropped ESPNU. Fox Deportes, uh, which starts with a kind of small base already, lost almost half a million households. Fox Sports 1 lost uh, uh, more households than any of them, uh, than any of the ESPN networks with... Uh, 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 seven, 634,000. And then NBCSN, which, of course, we talk about every weekend on the show, Premier League, lost almost 750,000 household viewers in two months. Um, not a good time in the cable, uh, cable sports industry. And, and, and um, look, uh, uh, cable itself is down to uh, 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 under 100 million subscribers, almost uh, over 750,000 subscribers uh, drop cable systems, cord cutters, whatever, in these in this two-month period. And now cable itself, and I think this is more interesting for, for sports other than soccer, cable itself is now only covering um, the top cable channels, only covering 75, 78 uh, percent of American homes. ESPN is actually now only 74 percent of American homes. Um I'm going to digress for a second, Chris, and just sure. mention this for fans of other sports. Uh, there were deals signed, a long-term deal signed with ESPN by the NBA, by college football bowl games, the college football playoff, th things that took um, long-term network properties off of network television and put it on cable and, pu and put it on ESPN. And ESPN was able to afford these rights because they charged their carriage fees are like $40 Per person, right? I mean, you get your cable bill at the end of the month for paying two hundred dollars, forty dollars of that is for ESPN, <laughs> and um, which you may not know because you don't have a la carte pricing and that kind of breakdown. I'm wondering what's going to happen because now you're seeing less and less exposure for those other sports. It doesn't affect us as much because we've never had really that network penetration. Although um, the NBCSN numbers dropping should concern soccer fans. But um, I wonder what's going to happen in other sports where they uh, they had they had taken themselves off network and put themselves on cable. In the NBA's case, they still obviously have a lot of games on ABC. But in, in, in NBA's case, they wanted the money that came from cable subscriptions, uh, thinking that would offset any loss in viewership. Because at the time, ESPN was in 90 percent or 92 percent of the homes of the 100 percent ABC has. Mm -hmm. Now it's in 74 percent of those homes and it's dropping every month. Um, yeah, the, worrying times in the yeah, industry. Yeah, the, the times, they are changing. Uh, and, and I think a lot of this, too, is cord cutting. I mean, a lot of people kind of looking at this and uh, dropping their cable or satellite um, subscriptions and, and then just picking up uh, streaming services. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm in that same boat. I'm, so I, I still have Comcast, um, but I'm waiting for this new Fubo TV to come out. And at that point, uh, I, may, I may drop cable completely and just, just get uh, internet and then have a streaming package. So... Um, yeah, yeah, it's worrying times. Worrying times, definitely, for TV. So in side. theory, I guess uh, it's possible that when we say ESPN is now only in 74% of the homes that would have uh, ABC or, or um, CBS or something, that um, maybe, that maybe that's not accurate because the cord cutters 
we're assuming they're going and getting rabbit ears and putting it with their television and still having network TV while they're streaming their other services. Maybe they've just cut networks out of it too. And that's why uh, if you're a Fubo TV or a Sling uh, getting ABC and ESPN and, and, you know, and now Hulu's trying to strike back because they have all those um, programs from those four major networks, uh, maybe that's now um, offsetting that too. Maybe that's part of it. I think we're just evolving, aren't we? Yeah, definitely, most definitely. So, so speaking of Comcast, um, my favorite cable company. Uh, so Comcast this week, <laughs> uh, news news came out there from about uh, the Com- uh, Comcast is going to produce a Comcast Xfinity app, and they're going to put it on Roku. So um, as of today, there's no uh, Comcast app on Roku. So if you want to watch Comcast programming that you subscribe to, you can't. But when this new app becomes available, you can add it to your Roku and watch your Comcast through there. But so the big news is is that uh, Comcast is going to charge you extra for this. <laughs> so they're charging, I think it's nine ninety five extra if you're a Comcast subscriber to be able to get uh, access to uh, to this Roku app. Uh, but they will give you, I think, a two dollar and fifty cents credit uh, if you go ahead and basically don't have to use your cable box any longer. So it ends up being like seven dollars and change to have the. Uh, the benefit of, of have being able to watch you know, soccer and, and everything else uh, through Roku uh, for Comcast. It's kind of crazy in the whole thing scheme of things to me, too, because if I was Comcast, I would probably give this away just to encourage people, make it as easy as possible. Um, but then on, on the other side of things, I mean, Comcast and other cable companies make so much money from renting out cable boxes and DVRs each month that they're probably just trying to limit the losses a little bit. But... Uh, I don't know. It's uh, this one's this one's kind of stinks, uh, Kartik. Yeah, um, it does. And uh, something else that I think is kind of stinks is that BN. I mean, maybe they're making things more accessible, uh, but you can you can watch the Cup of African Nations final uh, in Arabic uh, with BN Sports on YouTube by paying six ninety nine pay per view. But uh, why not just pay the nine ninety nine a month for Fubo and you get you get uh, BN in English for the for the for the for the whole entire month, yeah. Um, but but if 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 at least speaking more accessible, right? And and, and if you do speak uh, Arabic or what you want to watch your soccer games in Arabic, uh, at, least, at least there's the option. I mean, I guess uh, I don't know how many subscribers they would get for on this pay per view basis, but uh, at least there's the option there that that they can do it kind of to watch the, the Africa Cup of Nations final. So, so Kartik, um, lots of news from NASL and USL this past week in terms of schedules and kind of. Um, some details emerging from from both uh, leagues. And any news on the on the TV front in terms of um, what, what what we can expect and where we can watch these games? Yeah, I've got a lot of uh, kind of uh, uh, background information here, and I'm not going to reveal too much. But let me just say that I don't believe NASL will be scaling back as much on their television packages as maybe I had thought or others had anticipated. So look for that uh, in the next few weeks for something to be shown up there. I think they feel like they have to remain visible. They have to remain on television, whether it's the same partners. I, I think you could safely assume one world sports will no longer be a partner, but I think they probably will renew with CBS and very well might with BN. And, and uh, that would be, um, that would be certainly uh, uh, a big boon for them to, to, to stay on television and I'm not quite sure how they're going to barter it and trade it, uh, trade their, their financial position is not what it was a year ago, but um, they have to make a go of it. As far as USL is concerned, USL Productions is ramping up their coverage for the 2017 season. They will have a game a week on ESPN3, and they will have um, 
I want to say four or five games I've been told on ESPNU, which we just mentioned in the last, last segment has been dropping subscribers at a pretty alarming rate, like all these cable channels, but even more so than the others. And uh, the final, the league final is probably going to be on ESPN too. I know nothing's been formally announced yet, uh, but that's my understanding. Yeah, that's good news. Good news for uh, fans of, of uh, lower league soccer in the United States. Uh, two quick items, Kartik, before uh, I let you kind of give us some of uh, some news from NBC. But the first is that uh, Fox Soccer to Go, which is the paid streaming service uh, online, uh, for the month of February, they're offering a seven-day free trial. So with the Champions League coming up, FA Cup matches in the in the um, what was the fifth round, uh, Copa Libertadores. Um, there's a lot of action. Bundesliga, of course, uh, Scottish Premier, Premier Premiership. Uh, basically, so if you're interested in any of those and uh, you want to sign up for the free trial to Fox Soccer to go, uh, check, either check out worldsoccertalk.com for uh, the links to that or, or uh, Google uh, Fox Soccer to go. And then Kartik, um, Landon Donovan is coming back. So it looked like he's passed on the opportunity to play with uh, Real Salt Lake. Uh, so he hasn't made a final decision yet in terms of um, if he's going to be playing for the 2017 season. But he will be on TV on Friday night for the uh, USA against Jamaica friendly from uh, Chattanooga on FS1. And he's going to be in the booth with uh, John Strong, the main announcer, Stu Holden, who's doing a great job at Fox as a co-commentator and analyst. And he will be the the third person in the booth as a co-commentator. So looking forward to that. It'll be interesting to see how the dynamic is between those three. Uh, I thought thought Landon and JP did a great job at uh, Copa America last summer. Uh, and who knows? Maybe this is kind of the first of many games that uh, Landon Donovan will do for Fox Sports. Maybe Fox is trying to uh, recruit him and convince him to make this a full-time gig, especially with uh, the World Cup coming up and uh, lots of opportunity to, to be uh, involved uh, underneath the uh, Fox Sports umbrella. Yeah, uh, we'll, we'll see uh, how he does if he continues to like this. He, he did very well to Copa America. I... Um... I'm not terribly enthused about the, these January friendlies. I didn't even watch the game against Serbia. I understand uh, Dark and Twelman were pretty good, but I uh, didn't give any commentary on that earlier because I didn't watch it, quite honestly. And uh, they had a studio, I know, with Sebastian Salazar and Hercule Her- Gomez and, and Casey Keller, probably also pretty good. But again, I didn't watch it. Uh, but we'll see how Landon Donovan does. Uh, that might give me incentive to actually watch this match. Um, let me uh, bring up what is happening this weekend. Earlier that day, or sorry. The U.S. game is on Friday night, right? So Saturday morning, uh, we talked about Arsenal and Chelsea, the big game of, of the game that could essentially close the door on the Premier League title hopes for Arsenal. Uh, that is taking place at the Emirates in North London. Uh, all three of NBC's uh, on-air talent uh, or on-site on-air talent will be at the game. Arlo White, Graham Lasso, and Lee Dixon. That game should end around... Um, 9.30 uh, Eastern time, uh, which is uh, a 2.30 local time. Yep. They will do their post games. They will make a mad dash to three and a half miles, and it is three and a half miles. It's, it's a little further than some other it's, – it's not as close as um, Everton, Liverpool, uh, even West Brom and Villa and Birmingham City. I think we're all within two or three miles of each other. Uh, the three and a half miles in London traffic to White Hart Lane to cover Spurs. Now um, – Thankfully, they will not be going through uh, Trafalgar Square like Manchester United does <laughs> and gets delayed in, tra- in London traffic. But they are going to have to do that set up 
and be ready to do their pregame bits at uh, 5 p.m. local time, noon um, Eastern Standard Time. This is going to be very, very interesting. Um, as part of the excellent adventure as they're build, uh, billing it, Arlo Lee and Graham's excellent adventure, they will be uh, tasked with taking selfies along uh, London landmarks on the way in North London, um, longing their time and arrival at White Harbor Lane uh, in the race to this uh, second match. And uh, they'll also be very instructive about North London traffic on match days in, um, in that part of, uh, uh, of the city. It is, um, it is very, very congested in that part of London. And um, they'll be, um, I guess they'll be on Totten Court Road or whatever, trying to get, get to White Hart Lane. So uh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be exciting. It's going to be kind of a fun thing. Uh, no word on whether NBC has backups uh, uh, slated in, in the event that they don't get there. I'm guessing what they will do is they'll just go to the global feed uh, for a period of time. Uh, if it comes to that, let's hope it doesn't. Kartik, you missed the best part of the whole uh, that whole news segment on uh, on those guys. They're taking motorbikes. Yeah, they're taking they're <laughs> taking motorbikes um, and, uh, and motorbike taxis, and that should be uh, that 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 also allows you to take the selfies and take the pictures in a way that you don't if you're in an actual taxi right. cab, taxi cab in an actual car or on a, on a London transport and uh, <laughs> transport for London, excuse me. But, but, but that's a great example too. We were talking just a little while ago about uh, the Bundesliga and being on, on at the same time as uh, the Premier League pretty much. And that, uh, that 9.30 to 10 o'clock window, you mean after the early game, after the Chelsea-Arsenal game, you've got half an hour there. I mean, again, this is something that's, that I think a lot of people will stick around to see if there's some live footage of you know, Arlo and Graham and, and Lee kind of racing away in, t- in motorbikes you know, past Big Ben and the London Eye and, and things like that. So it, it gives you a reason to keep on watching it uh, all the way through to probably even that, the last game on, on, uh, on Saturday. And with the Bundesliga, it's, you mean, especially with, I mean, Keith Costigan, Eric Ronaldo, Ian Joy in a studio, in a very sterile atmosphere in Los Angeles. I mean, it, that. They're doing a great job with what they have, but they're not pulling you into those broadcasts. And I think this is a good example of NBC trying to push the envelope a little bit and try something different. Yeah, it's a bit corny, but uh, I'll watch it. It'll be interesting to see kind of what they get up to. Okay, Kartik, so let's move on to the next segment, which is TV ratings. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this one uh, just because we've posted all the the latest information from this past week at worldsoccertalk.com. And it has all of the TV ratings for every single uh, match that's been played, uh, club or country, um, across the U.S. TV for the past week. I did want to point out a couple of things. One is we, we kind of talked to this, about this in, in the first episode, uh, first segment, which is uh, the Bundesliga. And this past weekend was another poor example, unfortunately. Uh, but it's one of those things. I mean, from the Fox Sports' perspective, um, the FA Cup gets uh, higher priority then the Bundesliga, which pushes the Bundesliga to FS2. So, for example, from this past weekend, um, the uh, Leverkusen against Gladbach game, uh, which actually, that's, that's the one that you said was on, on Fox Sports, Fox Soccer Plus. So maybe we'll skip that one, because there was some uh, basically kind of... Well, let me go look at the Friday game. The Friday game was Schalke against Frankfurt. That one was definitely on FS2. Um, that one on the English-language FS2 side got 16,000 viewers. Although I think they did show Leverkusen Gladbach uh, in another time slot. They didn't show it live on FS2. Okay. So there is, there is a number from Saturday for it, ah. but it's just shown, it was shown at some other time. Okay. 
But still, 16,000. I mean, FS2 is kind of like the... If you want to put anything on television and uh, kind of guarantee it's going to get hor- uh, horrible ratings, FS2 is kind of like the last bastion of that. So for the FS2 game on Friday, 16,000 people, that's horrible. Championship matches on being sports, you know, kind of a, a derby against Wigan or something like that, those are averaging higher than, than those, uh, those numbers there. Uh, I think the championship averages about 17 to 18,000 uh, viewers, which is pretty decent for games that uh, kind of clash with other leagues. But, but yeah. still, uh, poor numbers. But the, the game on... Actually, the Leverkusen game against Gladbach was also on Fox Deportes um, on Sunday, and that one did better. That, that had uh, 122,000. And again, you have to look at that and say, okay, well, that's def- definitely uh, the Chicharito uh, effect on that one. And then, Kartik, did you uh, get a chance to look at the uh, USA-Serbia numbers? I, I, I know you didn't get a chance to I, watch it. Yeah, I ne- saw the ne- Neither game, did I. I. I thought that that was a remarkably high number for an absolutely meaningless game. Uh, it was uh, close to 600,000 on ESPN2 and um, 118,000 on Univision Deportes. And if I'm not mistaken, if I'm, uh, it was going up against uh, uh, something NFL-related. I think the Pro Bowl, which was on uh, ESPN proper. So... Um, it was a it was a pretty decent number for a absolutely meaningless be friendly, uh, and ESPN as I mentioned did the studio with Salazar, uh, who's new to them, Seb, uh, Sebastian Salazar, uh, who's done quite well actually in his time at ESPN now. Um, Hercules Gomez, who they just hired the previous week, and uh, Casey Keller, and then uh, they flew Ian Dark over for this game, which. Uh, I guess maybe he was able to do it because there was no Premier League games. It was this coincidence that they played the same weekend as FA Cup games uh, because I'm sure he would have had a game for, for BT or for Premier League productions otherwise. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, they got a decent number for that, and, and that was surprising. And then I thought another um, really surprising number was the uh, Real Madrid, Real Sociedad number. We see BN's numbers. Even as BN subscribers were declining, we're seeing their numbers for La Liga climb, climb, climb. Um, 540,000 between BN Sports and BN Sports in Espanol. The question will have to be asked at some point about La Liga. If they went to a more mainstream channel, what kind of numbers they would get if they could compete with the Premier League. But um, I guess that's a topic for another day. Yeah, yeah. That's 540,000. That's, that's huge for them. That's, that's, a, that's a big number. Uh, over at uh, Liga MX, uh, Club America's 1-0 uh, defeat of Veracruz uh, averaged 1.3 million viewers on Univision and Univision to Portes. Uh, making it the fifth most watched Liga MX game of the Clausura thus far. Uh, this also marks the fourth consecutive week that at least one Liga MX match has averaged an audience of larger than one million. So Liga MX uh, continues to be strong. We're going to get, get to this in a few minutes, but this is why, again, I, I don't rate San Diego as a market that MLS should go into. I think um, with a Liga MX team right across the border that's accessible to fans in San Diego, it's, it's, you're competing with a superior league with superior fan base and probably superior television package. So, uh, but we'll get to that in our featured topic of the week. Ah, a teaser. Okay. And then uh, moving on to the next segment, which is listener mailbag, just a couple of uh, uh, messages this week from our listeners. Uh, The first one is from John Patrick Manning uh, via Twitter. And he said that uh, earthquake fans uh, who are a great fan base are like the Orlando fans uh, you described, Kartik. Many don't follow the rest of MLS, uh, true of many MLS clubs. A real problem for the league. If I'm watching the Quakes, that's my club. If I'm not watching, I'm watching Man United or Premier League or UEFA Champions League. 
Sure, I try to catch a little bit of other MLS teams, but MLS is a really uh, a local phenomenon. Uh, Major League Baseball is similar uh, these days also. Any thoughts on that one, Kartik? Yeah, I agree. Yep. And then me too. And then uh, Dave Brunk uh, sent a message in through email. He says, uh, thank you for your great work on the pods and frequent updates on Twitter. I feel like I would miss out a lot of the FA Cup and Bundesliga coverage on FS1 and FS2 if it wasn't for you guys. And, and Kartik, that, that, <laughs> it's weird because actually in some ways Fox does such a poor job of promoting its own coverage that that's kind of an area that Will Soccer Talk steps into and actually tries to get the information out there. So just as one example is uh, the FA Cup fifth round matches. Um, we've gone ahead and published the, the TV schedule for that. And Fox Sports probably won't publicly, publicly announce that until probably a week to 10 days from now. So I mean, it's one of those things that um, I don't know if they're just slammed at Fox Sports or just, uh, just like taking their time. But it gives us the opportunity here at Will Soccer Talk to kind of uh, share the information and uh, get, get, get the details out on, on where you can watch the games and, and uh, how and what times um, so you can plan ahead, plan your weekends, etc. Yeah. Okay, Kartik, last segment of the show, and uh, I'll, I'll let you run with this one. But it's the feature topic of the week, and you wrote a great story this week that we published at willsoccertalk.com. Uh, the headline was Evaluating the 12 MLS Expansion Cities Through the Lens of Future TV Contracts. Uh, tell us about that. Yeah, so, and I know people are parochial to one market or another, people who live in those markets, and those folks have tried to poke holes in, in my, the my theories, other than San Antonio, who's given, including the club itself, has given me uh, some data boys on it. But um, I, I looked at the 12 expansion markets. I think there's been a lot of talk about ownership, facilities, I mean, all the stuff that's so important when you're talking about MLS, uh, either starting a club from scratch, as they would in a couple of cases, or in most cases, uh, promoting a lower division club. Uh, we do have promotion in the United States. I mean, the, the majority of teams that have come into MLS in the last 10 years have done so uh, having existed at the lower division level, but there is still a massive threshold from a business standpoint and a facility standpoint in an operational standpoint, you have to meet to, to, to be promoted. So uh, there's been a number of great series uh, uh, about that. It's Soccer America, uh, Brian Strauss over at SI.com, Jeff Carlisle at ESPN FC, et cetera, et cetera, 55-1 over in Minnesota doing great knockup coverage of this. So I decided to take it from a TV perspective because I really believe MLS is in this mode where they're getting a little bit paranoid about television ratings. And we talk about this on the show regularly. And they're also... Um, concerned about their ability to break into the Hispanic market using Univision as a television partner. So looking at TV market size and looking at the size of the Hispanic market in each of those places. Um, the conclusion I came to was um, even though you have um, such a great successful lower division team right now with FC Cincinnati, uh, you've got um, the, the market size of Detroit um, overall market size of Detroit and the success of uh, Detroit City FC, who are not part of the MLS bid, by the way. Um, and you've got other markets like Indianapolis uh, and uh, um, Indianapolis and Raleigh-Durham that have very, very successful lower division clubs that are bidding to become part of MLS. That um, a lot of its determination is going to be made on TV, uh, but then if facilities and political considerations come into play also. So the one market I think is going to get MLS this time that does not have 
the overall profile from a television and metropolitan area standpoint is San Antonio. And I know people's mind are blown that you, that I possibly think San Antonio could get a team instead of a Detroit or a Phoenix, which are very, very big markets, which are markets that are basically twice the size or more of San Antonio. But San Antonio is a very big Hispanic market. Um, one of Univision's uh, most watched affiliate uh, channels is in San Antonio, is in the San Antonio TV market. Univision is a television partner for Major League Soccer. In the San Antonio Spurs, uh, they have a perfect ownership partner who owns another Major League sports team in, in the NBA. Uh, San Antonio Spurs own San Antonio FC, the USL club. The USL club and previously the NASL club, the San Antonio Scorpions, have consistently drawn over 7,000 fans a game, regardless of how good or bad the team has been for five successive seasons. You don't have that happen in the minor leagues of American soccer. And um, they have a facility and they have all the political support they, they need. They have a turn. They have a stadium. They just have a then they already have the turnkey plan to expand that stadium to uh, MLS capacity. So I think San Antonio is in there. I've got St. Louis in there for the obvious uh, sentimental reasons and the size of the television market and the fact that MLS really wants to be in there. Uh, Sacramento, I know there's been a lot of kerfuffle lately, Chris, about Sacramento Republic, who for me are the most successful team at the lower division level over the last few years. Suddenly their ownership being pushed aside and another bid coming from Sacramento. Sacramento was the most logical add to MLS. As I said, they've had the most successful lower division team the last few years. It is the 20th largest television market in the country uh, per Nielsen. It is the 11th largest Hispanic television market in the country uh, per per Nielsen. So, uh, sorry, sorry, the ninth largest Hispanic market in the in the country per Nielsen. So it's it's a um, it's an easy selection. They're going to add four teams MLS. One, I think everybody had, our, had thought this whole process would be Sacramento. Now there's suddenly some internal issues in Sacramento, but I think they'll get worked out. MLS themselves have said they want the parties to get together and get this worked out. They don't want to be walking into a soccer war in a market, which I am almost positive they want to add. I think there really are three spots up, not four, and Sacramento is getting in. So, um that will be worked out. I've also got Tampa Bay uh, making it because of the size of the market, the strength of the bid from the Tampa Bay Rowdies who are in the USL and uh, their stadium situation. They're right on the water. They're, um, and they own the land. They're able to expand that pretty quickly and they have all the political support they need locally in the city of St. Petersburg. Uh, the one concern about them is the proximity to Orlando, which is one of MLS's signature for, uh, flagship franchises. And um, hour and a half away, I did the drive in September when I went to a Rowdies game against the Carolina Railhawks in NASL. I did the drive from east of downtown Orlando, if you're familiar with uh, uh, Central Florida, from the corner, from the uh, shopping center at the corner of Colonial and Bumby to Al Lang Stadium in an hour and a half. Um, so that's east. Of, that's actually east of the Citrus Bowl. That's like 15 minutes east of where uh, Orlando City plays. So it's they're close. Um, I got Raleigh Durham as my fifth market, by the way. I think uh, MLS is very impressed with the ownership group there. I think they're impressed with the soccer community there, college soccer support, youth soccer support, support for European football. TV market is large enough. It's not terribly large, but it's large enough. And um, they will want to see how the NWSL team does this year or there um, and probably won't make the decision until after we see the kind of crowds NWSL generates. But those are my five. Um, But... I have have to stress this, uh, Chris. There has not been enough emphasis on the size of TV markets and Nielsen markets as MLS has to negotiate a new contract 
with each of their television partners, or, or sorry, Soccer United Marketing on behalf of MLS, uh, starting in the 2022 season. I believe that negotiation will start in 2020, and you're going to want to have these expansion teams in place and uh, guarantees that certain television markets are covered. So uh, I would I would uh, expand upon this. I would say that MLS would probably have 28 teams by then or 28 teams that have been announced, and they may even tell the television networks, hey, in the next round of expansion, the final round of expansion, we are going to add Detroit and Phoenix because they're huge markets. Mm-hmm to get more money out of the television companies. Yeah, yeah, and it's great that you did this article too. I mean, the article goes into uh, pros and cons for each of the 12 cities that have um, filed their expansion bids. And, and it comes from a perspective that you can't find anywhere else in terms of how important the TV ratings are uh, to MLS and these TV markets. So it goes through each and every one of the 12 uh, expansion cities and mentions uh, where they rank. Uh, uh, with Nielsen in terms of the TV market size. And it is interesting, too, because the San Antonio one, two card, like you mentioned, too, um, with a large Hispanic population, and we've seen kind of how, the, um, how that is helping boost uh, Univision's TV ratings, and um, that could be a huge uh, opportunity there for uh, Univision and MLS to, to grow its Spanish language uh, TV numbers. Yeah, and I have to tell you, people keep asking why is it that... Um, MLS is give, making all these exceptions to their own rules for the Miami team, for David Beckham. Is it because of Beckham? Is it why? They don't do this for any other market. It's because of that. Uh, the Miami-Fort Lauderdale television market is ranked third among Hispanic uh, uh, viewers of, in, in the country. And so, and the neighboring markets, uh, West Palm Beach market and the Fort Pierce, uh, excuse me, Fort Myers market actually have a, a, a enough Hispanic viewers that would bump it to second. So um, that's the consideration with Miami. The Miami Fort Lauderdale market is third, according to Nielsen. And uh, that's, I, I had thought San Antonio was a sleeper all along. And then when I thought about the Hispanic angle and the Miami angle to it and why Miami's getting all these, uh, uh, all this extra time, I realized, yeah, I think San Antonio um, has a very good shot at this, even though, um, They've just kind of been written off by a lot of people who cover the sport, a lot of people I respect and a lot of people who normally call it right. I, I think um, they're underestimating San Antonio's appeal. Yeah, Kartik, and I don't think you know this, but it's no surprise that Tim Holt, the managing director of San Antonio FC, uh, after you posted that story, followed us on Twitter. So, <laughs> so, so yeah, I have a feeling he probably agrees with you. But Yeah, and I, I, I know Tim Holt. Um, I don't Obviously, he, he's uh, spent most of his uh, professional life, uh, recent professional life here in the state of Florida, Tampa, uh, running USL, and then uh, going to Orlando to be the, uh, the, the number two in that organization. I can't remember what his title was, uh, executive vice president or whatever. And he, um, uh, I think he probably followed because he was happy with that. But I think, I think San Antonio is a sleeper. And that's another uh, contributing factor. Tim Holt is an experienced soccer executive. He's running that organization. Uh, a lot of these other bids are with guys that um, – may not have the experience or seasoning or the political relationships within U.S. soccer and Major League Soccer that Tim Holt does. And they've got the San Antonio Spurs, or they've got, um, they've got this, this uh, underrated television market. I, I think it's uh, – and they've got a stadium, and they've got all the political support there. I think right. they're going to get in. And that's the thing, Kartik, too. I, I mean, like, so the average soccer fan in the U.S. is probably looking at these 12 expan- expansion cities – and looking at, diff- looking at it from a different uh, angle, which is fine, but they might look at, say, Cincinnati and say, okay, Cincinnati is a slam dunk MLS team. They're going to make it. They've got big crowds. 
But from a business perspective, and you and I know very well that MLS is a very business-centric league, uh, they're looking at uh, TV contracts, when, especially when they're uh, renegotiated, looking at bigger numbers, and um, they will be coming to the table with uh, the TV market. Cincinnati is such a tough one, Chris. I mean, I, I'm sorry to cut you off, sure. but it just, it just tugs at my heart because they've done it right, right? And they, yeah. have, they, draw, they outdraw, realistically, they outdraw like a fourth of MLS or a third of MLS in terms of supporting what was a third division team last year will be a second division team this year. Uh, but it's just not a big enough market based on the way MLS works. Right. Um, will yeah. they make an exception for it? Possibly, but I, I just don't think they will. And, and those ticket numbers for Cincinnati look a lot more authentic than some of the other MLS clubs that kind of just yeah, no, they're pass actually, along. They have more fans at their games. They're selling more tickets than a lot of teams in MLS. Yeah. Then maybe, as I said, maybe a third of the teams in MLS. But actually, they might have more people in the stands than about half the teams in MLS. But it's still, it's just a, it's a small market. And it's also very close to, um, to Columbus, Columbus, which is yeah. an original MLS team. That they, that they you you know you could argue they would uh, an original MLS team in a smallish market itself, which could be um, detrimentally impacted by Cincinnati. It just goes to show, I mean, in terms of the TV contracts, uh, how important those are uh, for Major League Soccer, and how it will impact this, their decision in terms of uh, which which cities to expand to. Um, so, Kartik, what happens though if if Miami does pull out and and Beckham says, okay? Basically, I'm giving up uh, this whole thing after three years. I'm unable to make a deal, and unfortunately, you know, whatever whatever happens, happens, but it, it's over. What do you see MLS doing then? To, I mean, do you see them kind of opening, ha- having five? Okay. Yeah, I think they have five. And then the question is, does that does that mean Tampa, St. Pete gets in uh, without a fight because that right. adds another team in Florida, or does San Antonio get in without a fight because that adds another big Hispanic market? I think it's one of those two get in automatically if uh, Miami is out. Uh, probably Tampa, St. Pete, but it could be it could be San Antonio. Uh, it could actually be the, the thing that opens the door for San Diego to get in also. Um, our former colleague here at, at World Soccer Talk, Richard Farley, and I have talked a lot about both the San Diego and Miami markets. And um, no, don't want to spoil too much of anything, but I don't think Richard's too high on either market when you compare it to these other thing, places we're talking about, uh, Sacramento, San Antonio, yeah. Tampa Bay, uh, Raleigh-Durham type places. But um, I think that it probably opens the door, it probably locks down Tampa, St. Pete, or San Antonio and probably opens the door for San Diego to get in in this round of expansion. Yeah, and, and not, to, not, not only is this um, TV contracts in terms of kind of uh, just inflating those numbers, but also helps out on the advertising side, uh, sponsorships. So it's big business for MLS, and, and they're definitely looking at it from that angle. So Kartik shines a, a great deal of light on, uh, on each of the cities, and again, the pros and cons, and you can find that story at worldsoccertalk.com. Kartik, so where can listeners uh, find you on, on Twitter uh, to kind of stay in touch? You can always uh, find me at KKFLA737. My DMs are open. Feel free to DM me. I follow most people who interact with me, uh, who, are, uh, who, who have a point of view, uh, whether it, it uh, jives with mine or not, as long as you're not abusive like some people on Twitter. Hmm. Um, and uh, you can find me uh, at various other sites, obviously, worldsoccertalk.com being the most important prominent of them. Yeah, and uh, for any of the listeners, if you have any questions about uh, watching television or streaming, or have any opinions to share or feedback, uh, we'd love to get, get that and we'd love to read it out on air. You can contact us through email at web at worldsoccertalk.com, through Twitter at WSoccerTalk, 
or through Facebook through facebook.com slash worldsoccertalk. So thank you for listening this week. We really appreciate um, your loyalty. And uh, you can get a new episode of the World Soccer Talk podcast every Thursday. Uh, don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes or Stitcher. And be sure to send us your feedback or questions uh, so we'll read those out on air. And Kartik, uh, over to you, sir. Enjoy your football.